Are you a tennis fan? Now, I run the risk of losing more than half the people watching because you're like, I'm not into tennis. What is this sermon about? Why are we talking about tennis? Well, in case you didn't know, we have the three greatest all-time tennis players, men tennis players, in the history of the game. Furthermore, we have playing right now and alive the single greatest woman tennis player in history. Serena Williams may very well be the greatest athlete in human history, right? We, we have superhumans living amongst us. We got the greatest football player in Tom Brady, Lionel Messi, the soccer player, Michael Phelps, the swimmer. We got some of the greatest actors and actresses and singers and artists and thinkers and communicators. They're all around us. These superhumans, right? You see them on the television, you see them on the big screen, you see them in the World Series, you see them in the World Cup, you see them in the Super Bowl, and it's like these individuals are larger than life. I'll never forget, I had the privilege one time of meeting Will Smith. If you don't know who Will Smith is, his other name is the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? One of my heroes. And I remember seeing him in person, thinking to myself, it can't be. It just can't be. It can't be the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in front of me. This is amazing, right? He, he's like a superhuman to me. I think we do this. I think we, we take this same kind of adoration, ascribe the same kind of accolades and superhumanness to, well, Bible characters, Right? Are you like me? It's like King David is like this larger-than-life person when in reality, he probably wasn't very tall according to Scripture. Right? You look at Ruth in the Old Testament, you're like, Ruth is this superhuman woman. But the truth is, whether it's Lionel Messi, Serena Williams, Tom Brady, Paul the Apostle, David the King, Esther the Queen, Abraham the father of faith, none listed are superhumans. They're all normal humans. Now, they can be incredibly talented, gifted, hardworking, focused, committed, determined, but we're all just humans, aren't we? And I think sometimes we look at Bible stories and we think, well, man, someday I've got to ascend to this superhuman level. I've got to ascend to this place where as a father or a husband or a friend or a brother or a son, I am constantly just floating. You know the enlightened halo that the, the ancient mystics and, and early Christians, they would paint these Bible characters with a halo. And the halo was the enlightenment that these super saints must have had, right? And so the ancient paintings of even Bible characters come with a halo and no disrespect to the ancient artists. And I think the halos are a cool artistic touch, but the truth is there is no such thing as superhumans. These individuals in the Bible, just like the individuals on television or in all of our favorite sports, they're humans just like you and me on a journey just like you and me with struggles, shortcomings, weaknesses, proclivities, just like you and me. Not the least of which is a leader in the early church named Stephen. Now, he's a deacon, is his title. Deacon means he wasn't actually a preacher or teacher of Scripture necessarily. He was a volunteer. He was a volunteer leader. He was a volunteer for taking care of different individuals in the known Christian community at the time. Stephen is not the great Apostle Paul. 
He's not one of the most talented or gifted, but boy, the way his life ends is supernatural. If you know the story of Stephen, he is appointed as a deacon. He's appointed as a representative and a leader, a volunteer leader in the church. And as time unfolds, he evidently knows his history very well. He stands in front of religious leaders who are putting him on trial for his outspokenness in relationship to Jesus. And he begins to tell the story in what is Acts chapter 7. And there he begins to link the history of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jesus, and Moses, and Jesus the fulfillment, and he's the point, and Jesus is here, and the death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension of Jesus has changed the world. And he's communicating all these things, and he's so bold, he's so clear, He's so candid that there is an uprising. A mob of people begin to come against Stephen. Acts chapter 7, starting with verse 54, says, When they heard these things, they were overtaken with violent rage, filling their souls, and they gnashed their teeth at Stephen. But Stephen, overtaken with great faith, was full of the Holy Spirit. He fixed his gaze into the heavenly realm and saw the glory and splendor of God and Jesus. Look. Stephen said, I can see the heavens opening and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God to welcome me home. His his accusers covered their ears with their hands and screamed at the top of their lungs to drown out his voice. And they pounced on him and threw him outside the city walls to stone him. His accusers, one by one, placed their outer garments at the feet of a young man named Saul of Tarsus, who would later become Paul. As they hurled stone after stone at him, Stephen prayed, Our Lord Jesus, accept my spirit into your presence. He crumpled to his knees and shouted in a loud voice, our Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And then he died. If you're like me, I read that story and I think, if only, if only I could be like Stephen. If only I could ascend to that kind of enlightenment and awakening that I could be so selfless, that people would be unjustly taking my life, and I would pray on their behalf that God would forgive them. If you're like me, I I read that and think to myself, I, I get mad at my local football team, the Seattle Seahawks, for not acquiring the right offensive linemen, for instance. And yet, here's Stephen, whose life is being taken from him, and he is kind, considerate, compassionate, empathetic, of even his killers. I read that and I'm like, I don't really know that kind of human. I don't really know that kind of superhuman living. I guess I have a long ways to go. I guess I'll never actually become that. I guess maybe I'm not as Christian as I think I am. I guess I'm not as saved as I think I am. I guess I'm not as sanctified as I thought I was. I guess I'm not as holy as I thought I was. I'm not as committed as I thought I was. And if you're like me, come on, you read some of these Bible stories and you're like, this isn't encouraging, this is discouraging. You ever had one of those mornings where you're like just angry and frustrated and you're complaining to God and then you open up your Bible and you start reading and it says that Stephen prayed, Father, don't hold this sin against them. And you're like mad at friends who are gossiping about you. And you're like, I'm so far from Stephen's super spiritual enlightenment. Is that what's happening here? Is that what's happening? Is is Stephen superhuman? 
Is Stephen not normal? Is Stephen not an average guy? Does Stephen not have impulses and surges and desires and urges like you and me? Is that what Stephen is? Is Stephen this supernatural being? Or did God do this in Stephen? And that's what I want to talk to you about just for the next few moments. The title of this sermon is Overtaken by Faith. The reason for that is I would like to prove to you that Stephen is just as average and ordinary as you and me. But when he needed it most, God overtook him and gave him the strength to be the kind of person he otherwise would not have been if left to himself. Oh, this is not a story about how Stephen within himself found energy and empathy and strength for others in the midst of his unjust killing. No, no, this is a story about God. This is a story about what Jesus can do with ordinary people when he overtakes them. I want to read this to you again. It says in Acts chapter 7, when they heard these things, they were overtaken with violent rage, filling their souls and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, but Stephen, but Stephen, overtaken with great, great faith. But Stephen, overtaken with great faith. I want to be very clear here. Before Stephen does the unthinkable, lives out the supernatural, he is first overtaken by faith. And here's my premise. What you are currently going through or what you have gone through or what you will go through, Jesus will be there strengthening you when you need it most. He will not be absent. He will not be hard to find. In fact, I'd like to suggest when you need it most, God will overtake you with faith. God will persuade you of his presence, his reality, his power, his prominence, his control, his authority. You will not shy. You will not shy back. You will not step back. You will not draw back. You will not be timid. You will be confident and you will be strong and you will square your shoulders and you will be who God has called you to be. And when that moment is over, when that season is over, when that chapter is over, when, that, when those days and weeks are over and you look back and people ask, how did you find the strength? How did you find the courage? How did you find the faith? When did, what did you learn in the Bible that prepared you for that? Your story will not be of your own ascension or your own uh, accolades or your own education, information, study, research, or preparation. It will be God met me there. What are you going through? What are you trying to endure right now? I think of so many of our brothers and sisters, not only within our community, but around the world, who are marginalized and overlooked. Injustice, killings, incarcerations at a rate that are all, all too much to bear. And the question is, can we endure? Of course, the bigger question is, can we change? Can we see change in the world? Can, quite frankly, maybe the greatest sin of all, division, hate, racism, can, can that ever be overcome? 
I would like to say whatever your mountain is, whatever your challenge is, whatever you're facing, no matter how difficult or painful or challenging it may be, I believe in a God who will meet you when you need him most, in the exact moment you need him most. He will persuade you. He will overtake you. And he will overwhelm you with the courage and strength that you need for those minutes, those moments, and those days. You may be watching this right now thinking to yourself, Judah, that is today. That is right now. Then I would like to say to you that I believe today and I believe right now you can be overtaken by faith. My favorite definition for faith is divine persuasion divine persuasion. For faith, the origins of our own faith are not ourselves, they are God. For anyone who has faith in God has been persuaded by the divine. God has overtaken you. God has convinced you. God has swayed you. God has persuaded you that he is big and he is powerful and he is strong and he revealed the fullness of his essence and character in the person of Jesus for Jesus is God. If you're like me, I'm, I think of the fallout of this global pandemic. It was Bishop T.D. Jakes I heard say it first and that the mental health community and the experts those who are doctors and thinkers and researchers are telling us that it, it very well could take a decade to recover from the trauma that we're experiencing during this global pandemic and crisis. A decade, a decade. So much trauma, so much pain, so much air, so much wrong, so much hate, so much division. What we need more than ever is the overwhelming sense of God's person, presence, strength, and courage to continue the great fight of faith. To say that these days are easy is frankly laughable. I'm not sure there's anything about these days that has anything to do with easy or smooth or normal. These are painful challenging, unprecedented days. And the technological age it is upon us informs us seemingly by the minute of the pain, the plight, and condition of human beings all over the world. What will we do? Well, I read the story of Stephen and I'm encouraged because of this normal average man can be so overwhelmed and overcome and overtaken by faith in the spirit of God, so can you and so can I. I remember growing up, and maybe some of you, you, you grew up in church and you know what I'm talking about, but again, you read stories about King David and his five smooth stones and the one stone he throws at the great 10-foot giant Goliath, and you think to yourself, I could never do that. Maybe you think of some of the disciples and the sacrifice that they made. And later, so many of the disciples were, were martyrs. They, they died unwilling to deny the validity and sovereignty of Jesus. I read those stories and I think, I, could I be that? Could I do that? I feel so in touch with my fragility and my humanness. 
I could never. And maybe that is true that I could never and you could never, but if God would strengthen us and empower us and enable us, well, we can do anything through the power and strength of Jesus. I want to say this boldly to you. Yes, you. You're going to make it. You're going to endure. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep moving. We're going to keep taking steps of faith and trust as we move into the future. If you're like me, I look into the future and I think to myself, sometimes the future is overwhelming. The 10 years of recovering from the trauma is overwhelming. And so one of my favorite prayers right now is God persuade me again. Overtake me again. I want to make a few observations that I think will be incredibly encouraging and hopefully enlightening to you about divine persuasion, about the dynamics of what I think was actually happening to Stephen while rocks are being hurled at his skull and his brain is swelling and he is soon to pass from this life. It says this, it says, when they heard these things, they were overtaken with violent rage, but Stephen was overtaken with great faith and was full of the Holy Spirit. Here's what it means to be overtaken by God. Number one, it means supernatural support. Do you hear me? Supernatural support. I didn't say natural support. By the way, our church exists for natural support. We exist to love one another, serve one another, to be a neighbor to one another. We have things like pastor chat and places that you can access and, and talk to us. We've got places for your children, for your, for, for your teenagers and young people and single adults and married couples and seniors and all seasons of life. We're here to give you natural support, but I wanna remind you what God gives you. He gives you supernatural support that transcends proximity. In the midst of this quarantine and isolation, I want to remind you, there is not just natural support available from church home. There is supernatural support available to you from God. Now, a lot of people don't understand this, but when it says oftentimes, if not most of the time in the New Testament, that people were full of the Holy Spirit, he was full of the Holy Spirit, he was full of the Holy Spirit, it quite literally means a supernatural, unprecedented filling for that exact moment from the person of Jesus. You are getting, this is not speaking of just, the Bible says you can't say Jesus Christ is Lord without being filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is in you and upon you. If you simply have received the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers, you have the Spirit. But when it says here that Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't just mean that he, he didn't have the Holy Spirit before this, for he had the Holy Spirit in his life and in his mind and his brain and in his body, but it means that he had an extra supernatural support. Translation, he had extra courage. He had extra strength. He had extra energy. I want to remind you that what's ahead of you is overwhelming. It is challenging. It does seem insurmountable. We're a, we're a congregation and community that believes that we're going to stand for true biblical justice. We're going to stand with the marginalized. We're going to stand with those people who, whose systems and structures and constructs and governments seem to work against individuals. We're going to stand with men and women all over the world and say, we believe in equity. We believe in true biblical justice, but sometimes it feels all too overwhelming. What are we gonna do? We're gonna be overtaken by God. God's gonna give us the energy we need. 
He's gonna give us the perspective we need. He's gonna give us the desire we need, the passion we need, the confidence we need, the courage we need. We're going to have supernatural support. I wanna remind you, you're starting a business, God's gonna meet you and give you supernatural support. You just started a marriage, God's gonna give you supernatural support. You're 20, 30, 40 years into a marriage and you need to endure, God's gonna give you supernatural support. You need supernatural support to endure this unprecedented season. Maybe you have a son and a daughter who don't see Jesus or understand Jesus or want to be with Jesus and your prayer is, oh God, for my children, God's gonna give you supernatural support and confidence. If he did it for Stephen, can he do it for you? Can he do it for me? To be overtaken by God means that you get supernatural support. It goes on and says he was full of the Holy Spirit. Then he fixed his gaze. He fixed his gaze. He fixed his gaze. He fixed his gaze. He fixed his gaze in the heavenly realm. See, we read stuff like that and we think, I got to fix my gaze. I got to fix my gaze. I got to fix my gaze. And we mean I got to set my gaze, but then I got to fix what I'm gazing at. I got to fix my focus. I got to change my focus. I got to work on my focus. I got to focus on my focus. And that's not the message. God fixed Stephen's gaze. The Spirit of God that came upon Stephen when he needed it most lifted up his eyes. The Bible declares that God is the lifter up of our head. You got two ways to live this life, friend. You can live with the perspective of down and around, down and around, down and around. Life circumstance, life situations, challenges, setbacks, injustices, problem, pain, loss, death, down and around, down and around. Or you can believe that there is a God. The same God who met Stephen is the same God that can meet you and he will give you supernatural support and that supernatural support will help you look up and beyond. Oh, how we need some people today who are not just living by looking down and around, but they're living by looking up and beyond. I want to talk to you about your future. I want to talk to you about the plans and purposes of God. I want to talk about the gifts of God that need no repentance. God is talent. God has given you talent and gift and ability, and I am believing in your future. We're a church that believes in people's futures and doesn't hold their past against them. I don't want to be a down and around kind of person. I want to be an up and beyond. He fixed his eyes on heaven. One of the telltale signs of being overtaken by God is you get eyes for Jesus, eyes for Jesus, eyes for Jesus. I can't explain to you what happens in some seasons. I can't explain to you what happens sometimes when I walk on stage or turn on a camera and start explaining the gospel of Jesus and the story of Jesus and the story of humanity. All of a sudden, I get eyes for Jesus. All of a sudden, all I can see is Jesus. All of a sudden, my focus begins to zero in on Jesus. There seems to be a laser-guided focus in my life. What is that? That's divine persuasion. He can give you eyes for him. Heavenly perspective. Your kingdom come, God. Your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. He he fixed his gaze. I find it fascinating that had he not 
Had he not been given the gift of fixing his gaze on Jesus, he would have been consumed with his adversaries who were charging him with rocks and screaming and yelling. The Bible says gnashing their teeth, which means they were making these primal cries of hate and opposition, and they hated Stephen. And the, and, and, and the mentality of murder was upon them, and they were coming against him. And what Stephen didn't need to see was all of that. What he needed to see was home. In the midst of all the pain on this planet, I pray that God will overtake you so that you can see home. You can see past the here and the now, and you can see into your heavenly home. May we be those who long to go home, but understand we're here for a purpose no matter how short our stay is. Lastly, I'm, I'm done. It, 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 it says he was overtaken by great faith. He fixed his gaze. He, he said, I can see the heavens opening, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God to welcome me home. Many scholars believe that Jesus was standing. Usually he's sitting in the New Testament narrative. We see him seated at the right hand of God. But in this case, Stephen says, I see him standing. He, he's so in love with you. He stands to welcome the church volunteer Stephen home. And then Stephen becomes the only human being in biblical record to pray the most unprecedented prayer that mirrors the prayer of Jesus while he hung for some six hours on the middle cross. He says this, as they hurled stone after stone at Stephen, he prayed, oh Lord Jesus, accept my spirit into your presence. And then he crumpled to his knees. Oh, how we think our physical posture means so much. But this man is crumpling to his knees, and yet he's never been stronger. He crumples to his knees, and he shouts in a loud voice. Evidently, the, book, the, the, the Bible wants us to know his volume. He's moments from death. But even the physical energy given to him by God as his brain is swelling, he's about to go brain dead. The lights are about to go off. He has no more energy. He's about to breathe his last, but somehow supernatural energy enters his body and he lifts up his voice and he prays a prayer. Oh Lord, don't hold this sin against him. And right after that, he dies. I read that and I'm like, I don't know that. I just don't know that. I, I'm not familiar with that. I did some research on this prayer and come to find out this was a this was a traditional bedtime prayer that Jewish boys and girls would pray with a loved one or a mom or a dad before they would fall asleep. They would literally pray. They would literally pray. Lord, I accept my spirit in your presence and don't hold this sin against me and them. And I just think this is so beautiful because when you're overtaken by God, when divine persuasion happens, you bedtime prayers become heartfelt cries. 
Those prayers you've prayed, they're gonna turn in to cries that crawl out of your heart. Some of you know what I'm talking about. When a prayer no longer becomes practicing your faith, but a, a prayer becomes a cry from the most primal place of your soul. Stephen is not practicing his faith. What's pouring out of Stephen is the cry of his heart. I don't have it in me to be this selfless. And if I could be so bold, neither do you. But God, when God comes upon a man, when God comes upon a woman, and they receive his supernatural support, oof, their eyes see Jesus. Their eyes go up and beyond. And what started as good prayers to pray become life and death cries. And out of the abundance of his heart, Stephen cries with a loud voice, God, don't hold this sin against them. I can only imagine men throwing rocks. And the man they're killing for his heresy for he claims that Jesus is God and while they're throwing rocks at him and blood is streaming down his face and his head is swelling they think they hear him crying that God would forgive them where is this Christianity today It is reserved for all willing to say, it's not me, God. I feel angry and mad at the world, angry and mad at those who hurt people. How could I ever pray for their forgiveness? And I think the reply from God is, I will overtake you, my son. I will overtake you, my daughter, and I will give you supernatural support, and I will give you eyes for your home and eyes for your king. And then I will take your simple prayers and I will embed them in the deepest part of your soul so they will come out like a cry from the core of your being. And maybe, just maybe, people will hear of this supernatural life you decided to live by the help of Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, history record your nobility, your commitment, your education, your... But the truth is, you and I will both understand and know that we're just as average and ordinary as any person could ever be. But when we needed him, he was there. He was there. 
and he overrided our regularly scheduled human program. He took over. I look into the future of Church Home, and I have been asking God to enlarge our community. Why would you pray that, Judah? Because I have friends that don't know Jesus to you. So while there remains one friend, yours or mine, that does not know Jesus, we will pray that God would enlarge first our hearts, our homes, our theology, our perspective, so that we can grow. Church home is to be a church available to people everywhere in the world. That's our passion. And I am overwhelmed. I must admit, I am overwhelmed. This is all too much to ask. I don't know exactly what the future holds for you, for me, for our church, for your family, for your business, for your job, for your loved ones, for your children. I, 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 I don't know. But I am convinced that in our most challenging moments, in our most overwhelming instances, God will be ever-present. He will overtake us. He will transform us into the men and the women we need to be so that the world might see Jesus. So my prayer for church home is, God, take over church home. Take over her leaders. Take over her elders. Take over her members. Take over. Take over. God, we welcome your supernatural support. We welcome you fixing our focus. And we welcome, turn our prayers and our practices into the cry of our heart. Believe in that for you. Believe in that for your family. Jesus, I thank you for Stephen. He's just a guy like us. But because of you, he became this extraordinary selfless man who finished well. We want to finish well. We want to complete what you have placed in front of us. So we pray your kingdom come and your will be done in church home, on earth, as it is in heaven. If you're watching, you said, Judah, I would like to become a follower of Jesus. I would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers. I want to invite you to do that. Right now, you know who you are. On the count of three, just lift up your hand. That's me. I receive, not earn or deserve or warrant, but receive and accept the forgiveness of Jesus forever. And you'll never be the same again. So this extraordinary, supernatural journey 
begins for you. What a gift. We love you. We're here to serve you and help you in any way we can. God bless you, church. Love you so much.